the path doesn't have to be straight. We have a lot of information that we Value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome to the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm Vanessa Alava. And I'm Sue Robinson. Before we get started today, we would so appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and comment on the show. Millions of people around the world suffer from chronic pain and anxiety and are looking for relief. Luckily, there's an app for that. Today, we're exploring how virtual reality can be used with biofeedback to help people manage chronic pain and anxiety. We're talking with Tech Boss Babe, founder and CEO of Flowly, the app, Celine Tian. Welcome, Celine. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, both of you. We're excited to have you on the show. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about the company that you started. Yeah. So I'm the founder and CEO of Flowly. We're a mobile app for chronic pain and anxiety management. And essentially what we do is we offer these interactive experiences that train you to relax. And the way that we do that is we teach you how to control your nervous system. So we literally show you how your body is doing in real time. You put your finger on the back of your phone camera and we're able to get your heart rate, your respiration, uh, your heart rate variability. And you can see how your body starts to change as you're doing all these different relaxation techniques. That gives you a way to learn how to turn on your sympathetic, your parasympathetic system, which is your rest and recovery mode, and turn off your sympathetic system, which is your sort of fight or flight mode. And you can kind of do all of these exercises and experiences just on your phone, or you can do them in virtual reality. So you slip your phone into a VR headset and you're immersed in this beautiful virtual world. You're on the beach with the aurora lights above you. You're in the mountainside, you're in the lakeside, and you're able to fully react, relax in these sort of immersive experiences. That is so cool. Tell us, back up a little bit and tell us some more about your own personal background and how you got into technology, how you got into having an interest in helping people with chronic pain and anxiety. Where did your story begin? So I actually grew up half my life in Asia and half my life in the U.S. Um, But I was born in North Carolina because my father was the head of neuroradiology and MRI at Duke. And so when I was growing up, my parents were running clinical trials for pancreatic cancer, which I hope you know, no one ever needs to experience this, but in its terminal stages, pancreatic cancer is extremely painful. Um, A lot of people actually pass away from morphine overdose and not the cancer itself. So pain management is very, very part of my upbringing. Um, My father had actually passed two orphan drug designations through FDA for pancreatic cancer pain. And you know, later on, I was sort of going through school in Taiwan and China and then moved to the U.S. And I was like, you know, reject my medical family, their background. I'm going to do something completely different. And so I actually moved to Los Angeles because I when I was like eight or nine, I started acting in film and television. So I grew up as a child actress and so did my brother. And we did, you know, typical child star stuff like Disney, Nickelodeon, all that likes. And I really fell in love with the idea of storytelling. Um, And I really wanted to explore, you know, what are different ways you can storytell and create very, very compelling content. And so I ended up um, going to Yale where I studied 
English and film. And it was there that I really fell into doing development work for DreamWorks. And I was doing both traditional content development, like, you know, animation and live action films, but I was also doing interactive content in both China and the U.S. And so we were looking into ways to create um, content that was really interactive and that could be used in virtual reality spaces, augmented reality spaces, you know, what are ways we can immerse technology with the stories that we wanted to tell. And I found this extremely compelling. Like I fell in love with virtual reality. I fell in love with augmented reality. And then it was in that zone that I realized that this immersive technology has actually been researched for decades and applying sort of ideas about storytelling and interactivity for therapy. And that obviously struck a very strong note with me because of my background growing up um, around doctors and the medical field. And it was kind of a no-brainer. This is something I had to explore. And so I ended up um, going back to Yale and telling my best friend at, in college at the time, Julian, um, who's now my co-founder and CTO, and he was doing electrical engineering at Hyperloop One. And then we brought in our third team member, Naray, who was finishing her master's at California Institute of the Arts. And that's kind of how we all got started into doing Flowly. I love that story. And I, you have such a unique background and I love, it's so, it's so typical, right? You know, you're like, you, you're, you're upbringing and, you know, this heavy medical background. You're like, you know what? I'm stepping out of this. I'm, you know, going to break into my own, which you did in your own right, obviously, but it's so interesting the way things kind of speak to you and tie back to your roots. Um, how does your family feel about this? My family is really, really supportive. They're actually very entrepreneurial themselves. And uh, my father, I mean, he was like a renowned doctor. And then when I was growing up, he basically said, I'm going to leave everything behind and do biotech, which is very rare for doctors because you invest so much time and energy, you know, for decades of your career into the medical field to just leave and start your own company. So I've always had them as an example, and they're very, very supportive. And my mother is also a glass blower, like an artist. And so they kind of fulfill both sides of, you know, the left and right brain for me. And I'm just very, very privileged in that way. I love that because so often I think we think of technology as being very left brain, very mathematic, coding, mm. da, da, da. and really for, for it to be used to its fullest potential, you need to have that creative brain. You need to have that ability to tell wonderful stories and to see story and then, uh, you know, to use the technology to bring those stories to life. So talk to us a little bit more about like just the, the problem that your technology is solving. I mean, how widespread is chronic pain and anxiety? Drill down on that a little bit. So one in three Americans have chronic pain. That's a hundred million people in this country alone. And it's something like 1.5 billion people worldwide have back pain. Chronic pain is extremely, extremely pervasive. Anxiety is also a whole different minefield where there's a lot of people, especially um, in the time of a pandemic, um, the American Psychiatric Association actually reported that 50% of adults in the U.S. suffer from high levels of anxiety. And so this is really, really important. And I think that one of the things about chronic pain and chronic conditions in general is it's historically been very overlooked. Because um, when you have pain, if you think about it, there's not a lot of ways to diagnose you. Right now, the standard is a subjective pain score. So a doctor will ask you, you know, on a scale of one to 10, where's your pain? That's extremely archaic if you think about it, um, especially for something that affects 100 million Americans. And so a lot of what we want to do is 
raise awareness around chronic illness, chronic pain, but also give all these people an accessible form to learn how to manage the pain and the problems with daily functionality that they experience on a daily basis. Where are you seeing, because obviously we think of chronic pain and automatically, I guess, in my brain, at least, I think, an older population, but this, you know, is across the board. I mean, it doesn't have an age category. Um, Explain to us, like, the usage and and what your demographic looks like, and then um, the adoption rate and using the app. Yeah. So my first instinct as well, when I thought about chronic pain was, oh, we're talking about like people in their 60s to 80s or something like that. Um, But really, a lot of data has started to show that chronic pain has started to skew younger, which is quite unfortunate. And that could be um, due to a variety of different reasons. But we're seeing a lot of people in their 30s to 50s. And actually, the majority of chronic pain patients are women. And that's really unfortunate because women are also the ones who are historically given least access to medication, to pain management, and least believed in the healthcare system. And when we're talking about something that's diagnosed on a subjective basis, on a scale of one to 10, well, that gives even more excuse for women not to believe when they go in and say, I think I have fibromyalgia, I think I have complex regional pain syndrome. A lot of times people will say, nah, you're just crazy. You're just being emotional. Well, that's a lot of what we want to build into that is um, providing for women. And that's a lot of who we've seen early adopt this product is women who are really looking for a solution, um, kind of taking health back into their own hands. But I think the amazing thing also is that we've seen quite a range of age. Um, so we have our youngest user is like nine years old. Um, his mother was our user at first, and then she really wanted to get him involved because he suffers from autoimmune diseases. And then our oldest right now is 74, and we've had people as old as 80-something years old. So it's a very easy system to use. Um, You slip your phone into a plastic headset, and a lot of our users will literally do it in bed or on their couches. How do you market to um, your audience right now? We are starting to release it publicly so people can find us on the Apple App Store. We're called Flowly and Relaxation Training, but we should be the first one that pops up after Flowly. And then later this year, we are releasing an Android version. We've been working with a lot of different clinics. We're partnered with University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, partnered with USC, and we were awarded a $1.2 million grant from the NIH to actually complete development and put this through clinical trials. So even as we test it out, it's available for people to try. We're not making any claims. It's super, super safe. But we want to go through these trials so that we can eventually put this through FDA um, as a medical device. I'm looking at you right now. You are a very young woman to be (laughs) so accomplished. And um, I I just, my hat is off to you because I think that's amazing. And the other thing um, I'd love for you to unpack a little bit for us is the anxiety management side of your technology, because I think that is a very widespread problem in this day and age. And certainly um, in this time we're recording right now in the middle of the COVID-19 quarantine. So talk about anxiety and how your tech helps with that. Yeah, it's really interesting how we got into managing anxiety in a lot of our focus because initially we were thinking just chronic pain. But then as we dove more into this population, we realized that chronic pain is a huge umbrella term. It's 100 million Americans, it's thousands of different comorbidities. And we realized that was actually considered a biopsychosocial disease, which means you have the physical pain, but you also have a psychological pain. And then you also have a social a pain, so social isolation. 
which makes a lot of sense because when you have a lot of pain, when you have a lot of anxiety, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. It's hard to go to the grocery store. It's hard to run errands. It, a lot of people are on disability. So they spend a lot of time online or on social media trying to connect with one another and trying to cultivate that feeling of socialization. And then when you add on to that, that one of the top symptoms of chronic pain is anxiety and depression. Well, that's just a perpetual negative cycle. You can't just treat physical pain and not take care of the mental one because they're just going to feed off of each other. When we started releasing this product for chronic pain patients, we had college age women reach out to us and ask, hey, can I use this? Because I'm feeling a lot of anxiety at school. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety post-graduation. And we realized that this was a huge, huge problem, obviously even more compounded by the pandemic that's going on. Um, and so well, a lot of what we do when we train people to relax is we ask you to learn to how to control your nervous system, which is key to teaching you how to turn on your rest and recovery mode that kind of alleviates that sense of anxiety and stress you might be feeling on a daily basis. Yeah, we talk about um, stress being like the number one killer. And, you know, we, we hear of all of these different illnesses and it's like, when you go back to the core of it, it's stress. And all of us experience that at some point in time. So it's almost, I go back to like thinking of meditation and it becoming a practice and becoming present and learning how to relax and just um, dampen the noise. Yeah. It's interesting too, to me that in some ways, I think our stress is born of the, the access to technology. I mean, our phones are going off all the time. We're always accessible. Um, we can get access to any amount of news and we're kind of bombarded with all this information. So, so that's sort of like technology contributing to our stress levels, right? It's hard to just get away. I I like the sort of um, balance that you're bringing to the spectrum of technology. It's, it's definitely where I think social media, the internet, the news nowadays, it can really perpetuate a sense of anxiety and stress. And it's something we're very, very aware of because in the end, we are a technology platform. It is something that requires your phone. So how do you use that as an empowerment for mental health and not just perpetuating more fear, anxiety, or stress? And we've been very cognizant, let's say even on our social media pages, that we actually ask people to stop scrolling. So let's say you're on our Instagram, we'll be, we'll tell you stop scrolling, take a minute to just breathe. And we'll have breathing guides on our Twitter, on our Facebook, on our social media accounts, just to kind of remind people, hey, you know, you you can take five seconds to breathe. And even that five to ten seconds, it can change your whole mindset for the next hour, two hours. Can you kind of walk us through your app and how it works? You know, when you get on, um, do you click on like chronic pain or anxiety? And what are the different exercises that you can potentially participate in within the app? And then also with that, can you tell us how it can integrate into a virtual reality um, head mounted device? The way that it works is anybody downloads the app, you immediately get access to eight intro sessions. The intro sessions are just five minutes each. Again, that key about accessibility, that ease of use. Um, And the first day is something that we created to kind of teach people the idea of biofeedback, which is something that we use. Biofeedback is what I was explaining before, where you're able to track how your body's doing in real time to learn how to change it, right? And so the first five-minute session, it's just a breathing guide. You touch, you hold down the phone screen when you inhale and you let go when you exhale. And when you hold down the phone screen, you actually see bubbles coming from your fingers, like these little bubbles and stars coming from your fingers. So you actually see 
the experience change with your breath. And that's a really easy way of introducing the idea of your breathing and your body can start to affect the content and the experience that you're doing on your phone. The next two to four sessions is a diagnostic. So essentially, we're teaching people how to uh, pinpoint their resonant frequency breathing rate, which means the breathing rate at which you can breathe at that most able to maximize your control of your nervous system. So on average, people's resonant frequency is actually six breaths per minute. Fun fact, that's what they teach snipers to breathe at in the military, because six breaths per minute is your sort of optimum performance level while being super, super relaxed. Obviously, everybody's slightly different. So we're able to pinpoint for you, are you 5.7? Are you 4.1? Are you 7.3? And then once you know your resonant frequency breathing rate, you're able to breathe at that rate in the rest of the experiences, um, such that you're really maximizing your ability to go into flow, which is why we're called slowly. Flow is that sort of optimum relaxation performance um, engagement you can get with yourself. And then you're able to do it while you're in all 360 degrees when you're just on your phone. So you'll literally see your breathing guide, you'll see your heart rate chart, and then you can kind of move your phone around to see um, a forest with flowers growing. And the better you're breathing, the more flowers will grow. And so there's a lot of really nice sort of gamified elements to the world itself. Now, when you subscribe, we send you a virtual reality headset. So you can slip your phone into the headset and then it creates the virtual world itself. So you'll be immersed into, let's say the same forest, but this time you're actually there. And it's kind of amazing that you can do that with just on your phone. And as you're doing better, birds will fly across the sky. The sky will change colors. And so we have all these different packs that we call worlds. So there's the Aurora world, which is one of our most popular ones, which is on the beach with Aurora lights above you. And we also have more very gamified worlds that are literal games themselves. So as you breathe better and better, as you control your nervous system better and better, you're harvesting more plants and you're like getting rid of zombies and aliens and things like that. So we have content ranging from super relaxing if you just want to take a break in your day, escape to like an island on the Bahamas while practicing relaxation, or you want to do something more gamified, we have quite a range. What are you guys using for the VR experience? When you subscribe, we send you a kit with a VR headset and a Bluetooth sensor that just simply clips onto your ear, and that's how we get your heart rate data. That's when you're in virtual reality. When you're just doing on your phone, like the eight-day intro sessions, you just put your finger on the back of your phone camera, and that's how we get your data. From the camera on the back of your phone. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's insane. Hey, everybody. Sam McLean here from InPhase Audio, audio producer and editor for the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, encouraging women and girls to step into emerging technologies and celebrating the accomplishments of those who do. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at McLean Sounds or check out my website, inphase.biz. Thanks for listening. I love the fact that you have um, so many different worlds that appeals to several different people. So like your reach and your audience, like, I mean, you can be in a, you know, gamified or uh, game centric type of world, or you can be in like a relaxed beach setting or whatever. So I feel like you can have such a broad spectrum of personalities within your app and enjoy it. Are you creating any of these worlds that these people are actually getting to interact in? I do. That's, that's, so that's exciting. Been, yeah, yeah that's it's cool. been one of the greatest joys is finding a way of harnessing creativity and seeing real impact in people. And it shows you that there's a way to really harness art, 
with technology in a way that can socially impact people. We had a experience early on that had a horse in it. And it was a horse because I'm, I grew up riding and I was a competitive rider growing up and I love, love horses. And I was like, we must have a horse in one of our experiences. It's so therapeutic <laughs> to me. Well, unbeknownst to me, it's, horses are very therapeutic to a lot of people. They oh, are. And yeah. And then when you put them into a virtual setting, a virtual environment setting where they feel like they're in that space with the horse and they're kind of doing all these relaxation exercises and they're in flow when they see the horse, we had people just start crying on the spot like crying tears of joy um it was we had few people do that and one person that I remember very well she was from Mexico and she said I grew up around horses I haven't seen them in 40 years and being here it feels like I'm there with them so there's just so much impact that can be done with storytelling and world building that we're just skimming the surface in retirement and senior living communities and nursing homes, they'll bring dogs and animals in or into hospitals um, to be with children. You know, there's just, there's so much healing that can come from being with an animal. When you talk about getting into a flow, I think about when I do yoga and how much discipline it takes me to turn my brain off when I'm in Shavasana or, you know, just trying to focus on my breathing. That should be natural and innate to us. But I think Clearly, in, in modern society, it's not. I agree. I've got a question about how the technology works and the app works. Right now, I know you have a, a headset that you mail to people, but do you plan on having an app that kind of is goes across all um, different head-mounted devices that are available to people or people that actually have them? And then do you also plan on doing some type of integration with anybody that are, has like a um, activity tracker as well? Definitely. We are aiming to be hardware agnostic as we move forward. Um, the reason right, why right now we can't immediately integrate with like an Oculus Go or um, Rift or HTC is because we do require a sensor. And the sensor is what allows us to get the biometric data. Um, but as we move forward, I'm sure there's going to be more integration with wearables. Um, we have investors from Apple who, you know, we've talked about, you know, how can we integrate with the Apple Watch or the Fitbit and things like that. So we want to integrate this to be part of your daily living. And I think that's an important point because you talked about, you know, technology and bringing us sort of almost back more to our roots. And one of the things we emphasize is that what you practice in Flowly and what you experience in Flowly, we want you to recreate outside of Flowly. We want you to recreate that experience and that training and practice when you're not on your phone, when you're just by yourself or you're out in nature um, or even just running errands. Because the things that we're teaching you, they're long-term. If you consistently practice them, they will impact your daily life outside of the app. Talk to us a little bit about your journey as a woman entrepreneur and some of the challenges that you've encountered because you started right out of the gates, right? Right out of graduation from college. So what was that like? What were some of the challenges and some of the ways that you've grown along the way, lessons you've learned? It has been a wild ride to say the <laughs> least. Um, I think there was a lot of challenges. We have, I have two other co-founders I mentioned. So the two out of three founding team are women. We're also women of color. And it's been, I think the biggest challenge has been in fundraising. It's actually very challenging as a female founder to pitch a sort of seen as a non-female product. 
Um, because, you know, we're a chronic pain um, management platform, it's digital health. It's something health and the sort of like medicine is traditionally kind of more male and more masculine. And um, this is echoed in all the meetings we go to when we go to hospitals and we talk to like board members at medical institutions, they're mostly male. And to walk in as a young woman, um, there's sort of a barrier you have to get past like, yes, we are talking about something legitimate. Yes, we're validated. Um, yes, we did receive an award from the NIH. So you can't really question whether or not this um, science works or doesn't work. But, you know, we are legitimate founders and we can execute on this idea. So these are just perceptions walking in the door that you have to get past. This is before you even get into conversations. It's like, hold on a second before you before you judge. Um, you got to level the playing field right from the get go. Yeah. Yeah, level of playing field. And I've even had on email chains, um, people automatically assume that I'm my CTO, who's male, uh, a secretary. So they'll automatically CC me on scheduling and say, hey, like, you know, help me schedule Julian's meeting. Or we, I was in a meeting with a few doctors and we, I had been pitching the whole time and they would turn to Julian and say, hey, this must be your brainchild, right? This is your startup. And it's a challenge that I think that women still have to face today when you start out early stage um, in a field that isn't seen as particularly feminine. Hopefully people like you, women like you, are really changing people's mindset and bringing new faces to the table. Kudos to you for keeping your cool and for continuing and not letting that deter you because it shouldn't. If anything, again, it should be more empowering that you are one of the few. And hopefully this is what our podcast is all about is to encourage more women in this field, in this space, because you're such a, um, a role model. How do you navigate that? What has allowed you not to get discouraged or just cynical even? I have a very um, big support team in that my co-founders, even my male co-founder, Julian, is extremely supportive and understands the challenges of being a woman and being a woman CEO. And uh, for example, when things like that happen, he'll turn back to me and go, Celine's the brainchild or, you know, Celine is the founder. Um, that in of itself is a huge gift. Um, because I know that other people don't have that kind of support. And the first few times it happened to me, I didn't even know what to say. And I'm someone that am very, I'm very confrontational. And I usually have like a quick retort back at someone. But in that situation, especially when the power dynamics are such that you're pitching or, you know, there's a much older investor, you're kind of trying to assess in your head, what, what should I say? And, you know, or am I going to blow something? And I can't even confidently say, you know, what is the right way to manage it? I think though there are, I think silence is something that I have learned to use as a tool. I was in a, in a meeting with, I think it was like eight, eight or nine investors. Um, it was like a partner's meeting. And one of them made a comment at me that I really didn't like. I can't remember the comment exactly anymore. And I just didn't say anything. I just kind of looked back at them. And then mm -hmm. I think he got kind of flustered and started backtracking and, you know, saying other things. And I realized I don't need to respond when you speak to me like that. And I don't need to respond if I don't feel like it. Um, I also have the power to speak or not speak if I wish to. And that has been very, very important for me. And especially in the U.S., I think that in American culture, it's very uncomfortable mm -hmm. the silence. Yes. Um, I, I grew up in Asian culture um, that silence is much longer. It's much more accepted. But here in the U.S., people are just trying to talk on top of each other. And so I 
find that when you are silent, it actually makes a huge impact. You are wise beyond your years, lady. (laughs) You really are. I I agree 100%. And I would guess that by navigating these challenges and coming through and having that team that backs you up on the other side of the challenge, that, that also builds your confidence too, because you know, you can handle it, right? People sometimes ask me, you know, what is, what advice would you give early stage founders? Uh, and I always say, you got to put in the time to find the right team. Mm-hmm. It's nothing can substitute the right team. Nothing can substitute the right synergy between people, uh, especially people that can both question each other yet be compassionate. Alignment is so important. And then also being able to be honest with each other and know that it's it's just for the good of the company. Yeah. Celine, is there anything we haven't touched on that you would like to speak about? Yeah, I think there's two things that come to mind kind of uh, going off of our last conversation about facing challenges. I think one challenge that is always underestimated, I think it's talked about, but underestimated is uh, rejection. But especially as a woman in the tech industry, you're going to face a lot of rejection. And being able to manage rejection has been one of the most challenging parts of doing all of this. And it's kind of the roller coaster that you go through with your startup, whether it's pitching to investors or it's even to your customers or to B2B businesses, things like that. That's something that I feel like people have to be prepared for and learn to manage as they go through it. Um, I was really lucky growing up because I was an actor. As an actor, you're mostly an auditioner. You're not an actor. And so you get rejected all the time. And that really, really prepared me. But then I meet some of the other young founders in the industry or even older founders, and uh, they struggle a lot with that. And it's something that I think needs to be talked about a lot more. I think that's so important to bring up. And I agree with you, you know, coming from a performance background, you do hear more no than yes. So you, you were kind of prepared in a way for that, but so many people aren't. And goodness, that's the way of the world. If it was easy, everyone would be doing their own thing. And I would add, I think that when you go through rejection, you learn that it doesn't shape your identity, right? Like somebody might reject your idea or what you are presenting in that moment, but you learn to separate that from you as a human being. And that's how you go forward. And there's gifts in disappointment and you, you learn who you are as a person and you learn to believe in yourself and separate that identity from the thing that you're doing in that moment, which I think is an important life lesson. Definitely. What was the second thing? The second thing is that I mentioned before, uh, the really, the strength in community, right? And I I talked even a lot about like my own community, but I think especially with people that suffer from chronic pain or mental health, um, a strong community you can rely on is really, really important. And so we are on Flowly um, releasing a community feature where people can actually connect with one another, um, share resources with each other, but then also be able to play with and against each other in these gamified experiences. Okay, ladies, I think it's time to jump into our lightning round. Finish this sentence. Women are... Women are effective leaders, tough yet nurturing. Um, And I have to confess that I did ask my mother for her advice on this question. Um, And this was something that we both agreed on was really, really important. I love both of those. You will find yourself, the older you get, calling your mom up for more and more advice. And I think that that's really important. So yeah, love that answer. 
Mm-hmm. What are three pieces of advice you'd give your younger self? And I know that you are super young, but if you could speak to your, I don't know, five-year-old self. (laughs) I think I have a lot of ways to go. So I'm still trying to give myself advice, but uh, there's a few things. One is, this might be more specific to my personality, is to nurture patience. Um, I'm a very, very impatient person. Uh, I find that a lot of people who are founders or CEOs also tend to be. And so I'm giving myself the space and understanding that not everything has to happen right away or have immediate gratification is something that I have to remind myself constantly and that I would have wanted to know earlier on. Um, The other thing is to stay in the present, which is something that I find a lot of people struggle with, um, including myself, obviously. And one of the ways that I think I should have adopted this mindset earlier is maybe through more rigorous meditation or mindfulness techniques as I was growing up. And my last thing um, is that to focus on the community and not just me. And I think you kind of have this narcissism as you grow up, um, especially when you're, you know, considered quote unquote high achieving, although there's a lot of studies that show that's actually not a good thing for you in the future. Um, So a lot of it is trying to understand that what I'm doing is not just for my own sake and for my own career, um, but that I'm serving something greater and serving a greater community, which is something that I think is important to remind yourself on a daily basis. What is your current favorite application of technology for good? I think that a lot of applications around digital health is obviously something that I advocate for. I also was just reading about an app this morning called Home Is. Um, It's an app for, it's basically a social app for immigrants. Um, when they first move into a new country, they can connect with others that speak the same language and give them um, advice on healthcare, how to find the right doctors, what schools their kids can get into, things like that. And I think that ability to connect people, especially when you're new in a space, is really, really important. What issue do you most hope technology will help resolve in the future? There is so many. I feel it's it's so hard to choose just one. What technology can do at the end is give people access to better education and learn more. Describe the future in one word. Unpredictable. People have to be able to accept sort of the randomness of life that is very hard for a lot of people to accept because we all kind of want control over it. What inspires you? I think it's my parents for sure. At the end of the day, it's my parents, it's my family. Um, they are, they basically sacrifice everything overnight to build out their own dream, their own company. They're doing cancer research, which is, I can't think of a more noble cause. Um, and so they inspire me at the end of the day. What is one thing that you would like to learn more about? I definitely want to learn more about how our brains work. I think that is a mystery that we have not even come close to solving. Um, more answers only create more questions. And so I think that Understanding how our brains work is also key to questioning ourselves and our own biases and how we act in everyday life. Like we think we're making decisions, but really we're just enacting habits that have been instilled in us over years and years. And so understanding that I think is key, especially in improving ourselves. The answers are creating more questions. That's that's a that's a bold statement. And it's true. Um, the more you find out, the more questions you have. So yeah. All right. Last question. Would you mind filling in the blank for us? Blank like a girl. 
I'm going to add a little bit to the end of that. Manage pain like a girl on her period. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Every female listener to this this episode will go, yes, that's power. That's the most (laughs) creative answer we've gotten to that question. (laughs) Awesome. That's what I was aiming for. Oh, Celine, this has been great. And I just want to say we both appreciate the fact that you are uh, blazing a trail for other really smart young women. Uh, When you walk into those pitch meetings, when you come up with these new technologies, when you look for partners and, and people to build out your team, you are blazing a trail that will make it easier for other young women who come after you. And, I, and Vanessa and I both have daughters. So we just want to thank you for that. Tell us and tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you, where they can find you on social media, um, and just how they can reach you. Yeah, you can uh, find more information about our company at www.flowly.world. Uh, and we are Flowly World on Instagram, Flowly VR on Twitter, and Flowly on Facebook. Um, you can reach me via the contact information there. Someone will, if you ask for me, someone from my company will probably pass on the message to me. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram at virtually Celine and on Twitter. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WeGetRealAF. And visit our website at www.WeGetRealAF.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.